All right, if you'll take your Bible and open to uh, the Gospel of Luke, we're going to look at Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 21. And uh, this is a couple of parables and a story about Jesus' mother and brothers, but it all goes together. Verses 4 to 21 is like a a section. It has a theme. And uh, we started looking at the uh, first parable last week, the parable of the sower, and that was a warning, and we're going to look at the application uh, mostly today, how you should respond to that warning, and talk a little bit about how you sh- how you listen to God's word. And uh, I'm talking about the pattern of your, of your life, not just once or twice, but the pattern of your life. How are you listening? How are you responding? And I feel a little bit urgent about this, actually, uh, for one thing, because I think it is uh, something that is easy to take for granted, the way we listen. There are other things in our lives, maybe, that seem more important, like where you want your kids to go to school, or your health, or getting in better shape, or your career, or the stock market. There are lots of things we think about. Even spiritually, you know, uh, when we think about following Jesus, there are all kinds of different things we might focus on. We can make it pretty complicated, but there is no issue, I think, that is more important, really, than how are you listening? How are you responding to God's word? I want us to look at this passage and talk about a couple characteristics of a good listener and why it is so important that you are a good listener. And I want to Talk about that because that's what Jesus is talking about here. In verse 4, he begins this whole section by telling a parable and calling out once he's done, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, which I I know sounds kind of funny at first because who doesn't have ears to hear, but obviously it's a challenge to the people who are listening. Like, you know, I've just told you something And it's maybe a little bit hard to understand, and you're confused. But if you are a person who cares about the truth, that means you have ears to hear, but you need to make sure that you use them and actually hear, because it's possible not to. You can hear without hearing. Jesus is talking about how you listen at the beginning. And in the middle, then, he explains the parable. And it was a parable about a sower who's sowing a seed, and he says, the seed is the word of God. And since he's just been preaching about the kingdom and since he's going to be sending his disciples out to preach, it's not too difficult to figure out what he's talking about. He's talking about preaching God's word. The sower sowing seed is preaching God's word. And more specifically, he's talking about the different ways people listen. Like, for example, some hear, but it doesn't go in deeply. And so the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts and they're not saved. That is verse 12. And Others hear, and they receive it with joy, but have no root and fall away, verse 13. And then there are others who hear, verse 14, but their fruit does not mature because they get distracted by the cares of this world. And then there are those who, hearing the word, respond a certain way and bear fruit. And so obviously, the way you listen matters to Jesus. You need to listen, and the way that you listen matters which is why Jesus tells his disciples in verse 18, take care then how you hear. That is the application. Think about how you listen. Take care. There is a right and a wrong way to listen. You have to take care. This needs to be a priority issue in your life. How am I listening? Because there is a right and wrong way to listen. And last week we have focused especially on the part about there being a wrong way to listen. And I hope that was a little bit scary. We don't uh, obviously want to go through our whole lives scared, but there are times we need to be challenged to take things seriously, and we almost always need to be challenged to take listening to God's Word seriously, because God's Word is amazing. This is the place that God speaks, and hearing God's Word can be like the greatest privilege in the world for you. And you see that in this text, actually. Jesus describes it as the secrets of the kingdom of God in verse 10. Jesus says, to you it has been given to know 
the secrets of the kingdom of God. And that means revelation from God. It's the word mystery secrets. And mystery means revelation about the future history of the world. And so you can just imagine God allowing you access to his hidden plan for what he's going to do in the future to fix the problems of the world. Because that's what we have ultimately in the scriptures, the gospel specifically. Jesus talks about it as the secrets of the kingdom of God. And then he describes it like a seed in verse 11. He says, the seed is the word of God. And that means this message has the potential to do something. In other words, it's not just information. It's not like a a rock that sits there. It is a seed that has the potential to produce life in you, which is a, a pretty striking way to talk about a message as having that kind of power. And yet it shouldn't be too surprising when you think about the way the Bible talks about what happens when God speaks. Because when God speaks in the Bible, God acts. God speaking and God acting are connected in a really tight way in the Bible. God said, let there be light and there was light. How did God make the world? By speaking. And that's a pattern in the Bible. When you see God doing something, Usually, you see God saying something. So it's like if you say, God, do something for me, what would God do? God would speak, and something would happen. God's word can do things. It has power. And here in this passage, what Jesus says God's word can do is save. In verse 12, he says, the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And he has to get the word away the devil, because it can save if you believe it, which is a big word, save. It means rescue. It means deliver. And Jesus's half-brother, James, picks up on this image in James 1 when he talks about the word as well. He says, receive with meekness the implanted word. James 1, 21, implanted, the implanted word, implanted, seed, It's hard to think that James is not thinking of this story Jesus is telling about the word being like a seed, only he says it's implanted. It gets in the soil this time. And what is it able to do then if it's planted in you? It is able to save your soul, which is huge. You hear God's word the right way and you get revelation of hidden mysteries, knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God. And that message has the power to do things in your life that nothing else can do at the core fundamental level. It is a dynamic message. It is not stale. It is not static. In Colossians chapter 1, Paul talks about it as the word of truth. And he says it's coming to people. It's going through the whole world. And it's bearing fruit. And it's increasing. And he's talking about the gospel almost as being like a force, really. It doesn't stay in one place, this message. It doesn't sit there. It comes to you. It spreads around the world. It produces results. It's growing. And yet, not everyone who hears the word of God benefits. You hear God's word the right way, and it is the greatest privilege of your life. It has the power to change you forever. But if you don't, that impacts you as well. It always does something, either positively or negatively. How you listen matters, which is what we're seeing as we're watching Jesus's ministry in a very vivid way, because these people are being given the chance to hear the word of God from the word of God. And yet many are not responding, and the result is that their hearts are being hardened, and they are in danger of facing greater condemnation as a result which is part of why Jesus is speaking in parables. Now, it's kind of like a warning. And if they don't listen, they're in danger. In fact, Jesus actually says a little later after sending his disciples to preach on his behalf that it's going to be better for some really pagan cities in the day of judgment than it would be for many of these people because they were experiencing greater revelation. And while hearing more of God's truth has all kinds of power for good, if you fail to respond to that revelation, it increases condemnation. 
And what is so sad, especially as we watch this happening here in Luke, is that it doesn't have to. I mean, it's not the word that's the problem, and it's not God either. These people couldn't blame God for their failure to benefit because God is good, and God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And so Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and that means God's purpose in giving us his word is to benefit us. And that's actually what Jesus says in verses 16 and 17, where he tells another parable that's connected to the first about the soils. There's uh, no time in between. It's just one story and, and then the next. And he tells this parable to his disciples, probably because he doesn't want them to be confused as they're watching people not responding to Jesus and Jesus beginning to speak the way he does. You could see that maybe they could start thinking this is sort of supposed to be some kind of hidden knowledge or something. But Jesus says, no, verse 16, no one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed. And so this is actually kind of a famous illustration that Jesus uses in different ways in different places. And sometimes he uses it to talk about the way we live our lives, as if we're the light. But here he's using it to talk about the word of God instead. We're not the, the light here. The word is. That's the context. It's like a lamp. When God speaks, he's not just revealing secrets and sowing a seed, it's like he's lighting a lamp as he's speaking through Jesus. It's like he's sending his light into this dark world. And the purpose of lighting a lamp, obviously, is to give light. And so God's purpose in sending Jesus and speaking through his prophets and apostles was not to keep the message hidden or to put it under a bed or to make it obscure. He designed the message of the gospel to be understood. And, you know, I think one thing that makes that clear is the fact that we're here talking about it. Back at the beginning of the Gospel of Luke, an old man named Simeon met Jesus, and he said, he is going to be a light for revelation for the Gentiles. And that's what happened. Even though in his day, these people were rejecting Jesus, their response to God's word did not stop Jesus's message from getting out and giving light like God promised. Verse 17, he says, for nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. And since he just told the disciples, I'm giving you the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God, but they're getting parables, it makes sense that he's still talking about those secrets and saying God's word will accomplish what God wants it to accomplish. And what he wants it to accomplish is to shine light and to reveal which means as we are looking at these people, the problem is not with the word of God and the problem is not with God. The problem is with the way these people are listening. There's a wrong way to listen. There's a right way and a wrong way to listen and listening the wrong way has consequences, which is why Jesus warns us in verse 18, take care then how you hear. Make this a priority issue in your life, how you listen. Take care then how you hear. And I want to talk with you about how you listen, about how to listen, because how you listen matters. And to do that, we need to think about what it looks like to listen to God's word well. Like, how do we not do this, what these people are doing? And specifically, I want to give you a couple characteristics of a good listener and then a little challenge why to work on it. And these characteristics aren't going to be shocking, but they are fundamental. To be a, a good listener, first, you need to be humble. And we're starting a little bit before Luke 8 with this first characteristic. But I think Luke's been preparing us for these parables ever since uh, Luke 6 by giving us a couple real-life examples of people who were responding to Jesus correctly in the middle of all these others that we're meeting who weren't. And these are, examples are important as we talk about listening to God's word because we might think initially that what's most important if we're going to listen to God's word well is that we be really smart or something because we tend to value intelligence and God's word is deep and this is a book and we talk about studying it and it does require effort to understand but if we stop and think about the people who were actually recognizing and benefiting 
from Jesus' ministry here in the Gospel of Luke, smart is not the characteristic Luke is highlighting, actually. We don't have any idea about their education or their intelligence, and that's not because education and intelligence don't matter at all. It's because what's happening as you interact with the scriptures is something more than just studying another book. Fundamentally, it is about God communicating with us. And so when we interact with God's word, we're not just interacting with a textbook, we are relating to a person. And it's a a little bit of an unusual situation because it's like a letter we're reading, but it's like a letter where the person's there with you and he's seeking to communicate with you through his word as you read it. And so obviously you have to understand what he's saying to benefit because that's what we have to do anytime someone's communicating something to us. But smarts is not enough when it comes to interpersonal communication, like it might be if you were studying physics or something, because this is about two people communicating with one another. And smart people honestly aren't always the best listeners. That's not the first key to listen to someone well. And we know that because we've all tried to communicate with super smart people who weren't really able to understand what we were saying because they weren't humble enough. And listening to God is not that different, really. It requires humility. This is like a first key characteristic. We need to be humble if we're going to be a good listener. And I want to highlight the importance of being humble because I think Luke does. If you go back to Luke chapter 6, you see that Jesus ends his sermon on the plain with a call to respond, where he talks about a a wise man and a a foolish man. And this is an illustration. He's talking really about how to listen. And then in Luke chapter 7, right after Luke talks or Jesus talks about this wise man and foolish man, Luke gives us an example of someone who was responding the way Jesus wanted, and it was a Roman centurion. And so it's like Luke is saying, here is someone who is wise. And what does he point out specifically? Do you remember the story? Maybe he had a sick servant, this centurion, and the Jews came to Jesus and said, you really have to help him because he is uh, worthy of being helped. And Jesus goes with them to do that. But as he's on his way, a little later, the centurion sends some of his friends to Jesus to say, no, I'm actually not worthy. In fact, I'm not even worthy for you to come into my house. And so if you would, please, Jesus, just heal my servant from where you are. And I I know you can do that because I recognize the absolute authority of your word. And you know what Jesus calls that? Do you remember? He calls that faith. In fact, he's amazed. And he says, not even in Israel... Have I found such faith? And so we're clearly supposed to imitate this centurion. And imitating him means recognizing that we're not even worthy to have a relationship with Jesus and that any good he does us is grace because he is sovereign Lord of all. And so what he says matters and has absolute authority. And that's what it means to come to Jesus' word humbly, really listening humbly means I see Jesus' word as binding. In other words, what he says goes. So you and Jesus, me and Jesus, we are not equals, not even close. When you listen to Jesus speak, you are listening to the king of the universe. And you know, most of the universe already recognizes that about Jesus. In the Gospels, what do we see? Demons bow before him and do what he says. Nature bows before him and does what he says. Sickness bows before him and does what he says. Death bows before him and does what he says. And when Jesus speaks, you need to be willing to bow before him and do what he says. That's part of what it means to be a humble listener, the first part. If you're going to benefit from listening to God's word, you have to ask yourself, am I actually willing to do what Jesus says. And the truth is, a lot of people aren't. It's amazing how good a liar sin is, you know? Sin can be messing up your life, like absolutely messing up your life. You are suffering as a result. But Jesus comes and he says, follow me. And what do you say? You say, it's going to be too hard. I can't do that. Sin 
is making your life hard. But you won't obey Jesus because you think it sounds too hard. And really, that's pride, right? You think you know better than Jesus, and that's foolish as well because, look, Jesus is good. And there's a second illustration at the end of Luke 7 of what it means to be humble that highlights that. And now I'm talking, of course, about the sinful woman who Luke brings up as one of wisdom's children. Verse 25 Yet wisdom is justified by all her children. And Luke's like, let me introduce you to one. And she has something in common with the centurion in that Jesus highlights her faith just like he does the centurion. And yet there are a lot of things about her that are different. One of the main ones being that she's not respected by anyone except Jesus. And what Jesus highlights about her is that she recognized how much she needed to be forgiven and that Jesus could forgive her and would forgive her. And again, that's humility. That's part of what faith does. It causes us to recognize that Jesus is Lord. And so it humbles us as we come to his word. His word has authority and it enables us to see Jesus as savior, which means we come to God's word, not just looking for some more instruction or advice, but knowing how desperately we need a savior. And that kind of humility is vital if you're going to benefit from God's word. If you just think about this sinful woman and the Pharisee, if you don't see yourself for who you are, you are not going to see Jesus. No matter how much you think you know, the Pharisee had all the advantages in the world, and yet clearly he didn't recognize Jesus. And this woman had none of that, and yet she did. And the reason Jesus points out here for the difference is because she knew she needed Jesus. Do you know you need him? Each of us, John Calvin once said, must be so stung by the consciousness of his own unhappiness as to attain at least some knowledge of God. In other words, we will never be able to hear what God says in his word unless we have seen ourselves for who we are. And so if you're going to listen to God's word well, you need to cultivate humility, which takes cultivating, even as Christians. You have to work at remembering that Jesus is Lord, and you have to work at remembering how much you need a Savior, which seems like it would be difficult to forget, except for the fact that we do. Pride is like the first sin that we commit, and it's usually the last as well. It's always stalking us, and it can have such a devastating impact on us spiritually because it makes it so hard for us to benefit from God's word because either we don't recognize its authority over our lives, we treat it as like an option. I always remember talking to someone who was uh, sleeping with his girlfriend and saying, ah, oh, brother, you, you need to repent, and he was like, yeah, I need to repent. You're right, I really need to repent. And I was like, no, 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 that means you do something. <laughs> you have to do, you like have to do something. He's like, oh, no, no, but I do need to repent, but not that. And we can be so proud when we come to God's word and act like it's a good idea and it's enough for us just to agree with it. But no, we need to submit to it. Or our hearts just get cold and we come to church and to God's word more concerned about what people think about us and our status in the eyes of others than we do Jesus because we've forgotten how much we need to be forgiven. If we're going to be good listeners, we have to work at being humble. And I think we see one way humility shows up in the disciples, actually, in Luke 8. Because you remember how Jesus tells the story about the sower and the soils. And he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples actually are there but they realize, even though they're listening, they're not hearing and understanding what Jesus is meaning, and they have no idea, actually, why he's talking like this or what he's talking about. And so what do they do? Verse 9, they, they come to Jesus and ask for help. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, which is, Amazing, because the disciples don't get a lot of things right in the Gospels, but they got this 100% correct. 
because this is what good listeners do when they don't understand. They go to Jesus and ask. And if you're really listening to God's word, there is going to be a lot of opportunity for that because they're going to be stuff that God says that you don't understand. And so we can't just pretend that we understand. We have to learn to admit that we need help and ask God to give it, which can be surprisingly difficult for us as proud people. For example, you know, when was the last time you eagerly prayed, almost with a sense of desperation, God, help me understand your word. It's part of what I love about being a preacher because uh, every week I've got to stand up here and speak. And, and often I'm like, God, help. Because if you don't help me understand, then I've got nothing to say. We need to ask for God's help if we're going to understand God's word. And you know what? We need to be willing to ask others as well. I wonder if there's been a time where you were having a, a problem and you went to someone who you thought you knew, who knew God's word and asked them to help you. Like, I, I'm not sure I need you to help me know how to apply God's word to my life because this is one of the ways God speaks right now. He speaks through his people sharing his word with one another and yet sometimes we're not humble enough to ask God for help and sometimes we're not humble enough to ask others for help when we need it, especially when we think they might say something we don't like. And this is where we can be a little sneaky because we like to look like we're humble listeners. But it can be uh, tempting for us to only listen to the Bible or take the Bible seriously when it says what we want to say, want it to say. But that's not really listening, is it? And it's definitely not humility. And we shouldn't expect to benefit from the Bible if deep down we're not going to pay attention to what the Bible says. A good listener is a humble listener, and we need to be humble listeners if we're going to benefit. Are you a humble listener? Second, we need to hold fast to God's word if we're going to benefit. And now we're solidly in Luke chapter 8. Sorry, this is driving me. If you look down at verse 15, because uh, this seems to be one of the first big differences between the good soils and the soils that aren't. Jesus says, as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast. And so they, they hear the word, and maybe we should start there as we think about this, because that is obviously key to benefit. And you have to be humble to know Jesus is Lord, that you need a Savior, and you have to make sure that you're actually hearing God's word, and then understanding it. That second, they heard the word, and they understood it, which seems kind of obvious as well, but Matthew thought it was important enough to point out when he tells the same story. The same story is in three Gospels. And Matthew, when he tells this story, he says, Matthew 13, verse 23, as for what was sown on the good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. So God's word's not a magical book where somehow just the sound of it changes your life. You have to understand the meaning. The meaning of the scripture is the scripture. And so all the listening in the world is not going to benefit you if you don't understand it first. It's like God's got all kinds of grace. He wants to pour out on you through his word, but there's no way you're going to enjoy one drop of that grace without actually understanding what's being said. A, a good listener hears, understands, and believes. And you see that word believe first back up in verse 12. The devil comes and takes away so that they may not believe. And that's a fail because if the word of God's going to benefit you, it's got to be believed. And Mark, when he tells this story, highlights that. He describes the good soil like this. He says, but those that were on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it. And accept basically means they believe it, with a little added oomph maybe, because the word accept is more personal. It's sometimes translated adopt or receive, even love. And it's like the next step on from understanding, really. You're there, you hear God's word, you understand what it means, and then you receive it. In other words, you grab hold of it. You own it. You take it. It's personal. It's yours. You know, when someone brings you God's word, it's like they're bringing a, a, a treasure to you out of the scripture and trying to hand it to you, trying to give it to you. And that's even what I'm trying to do now. And while it's his responsibility to bring the treasure out, it's your responsibility to, to take it. You have to, you have to take it. 
to accept it. You can't just leave it sitting there on the floor in front of you. You have to open up your hands and take hold of it for yourself. Like, I believe that. I want that. I welcome that. I will take that home. Which maybe sounds kind of easy. Uh, accept, welcome, receive, hold on to. But it's not always easy. And one reason it's not always easy to accept God's word is because sometimes the Bible just says stuff we don't like. And there are a lot of truths that seem hard in there, even for those of us who are Christians. At one point, obviously, if we're Christians, we accepted God's word and saw the gospel as beautiful and opened up our hands and grabbed hold of it. But as we live the Christian life out, God's got more to give us. And we still have to keep our hands open so that we can receive what God's has to say to us, and that's not always easy for us to receive because sometimes God comes and says things that seem hard to us in his word. And we don't like hard. Most of us are pretty fine with comfortable. Even spiritually, you know, you grow a little, you get some things under control, you don't feel all the consequences of sin that you used to, you're a little comfortable, but there are those areas that you know to deal with are going to be very painful to change, and so you stop. And when God's word speaks there into those parts of your life, instead of receiving it as a gift, you might get angry and stop listening and start arguing or just avoid the issue altogether. And, And you know how that is, right? Like, that's not uncommon. When God starts poking his finger right on the area where you need to change and you don't like it, you suddenly start coming up with all these excuses or getting angry at the people who are pointing it out and you're trying to find all kinds of ways not to listen and take that word for yourself. And that is like spiritual death for us, isn't it? That's putting us on a really dangerous path because that kind of sinful anger doesn't produce the righteousness of God. And so if you're going to come and listen to God's word and actually benefit, it's going to be more than just an intellectual matter for you. It's going to require a little bit of preparation, actually, where you have to be dealing with this sin on the inside and putting away all the shameful stuff that you're clinging on to so that you can come humbly and just take God's word, not just as being good for someone else, but as God speaking to you. And then you've got to grab hold onto it. And, and you've got to absolutely grab hold of it and not let go. You've got to hold fast, which is definitely the part that Jesus is highlighting here. Because you look at these soils in this parable that he tells, and they have a lot of things in common. You remember there were the bad soils and the one good soil. And the bad soils and the good soil have some things in common in that they all hear the word of God. And I'm assuming they, they understood they had that in common, and the first soil, of course, didn't believe or accept, but you know what? Verse 13, the second soil did. He says, and the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word of God, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and I'm assuming the third group believes for a while as well. They hear, they understand, they believe, but you know what they don't do? They don't hold fast. The difference between a good listener And a bad listener is that a good listener holds fast. Are you a person who holds fast? A good listener, he doesn't just accept the gift of God's word on Sunday. He doesn't just take it and sort of keep his hands open. It's like he grabs it. He pulls it close. He guards it. He holds it tight. And you have to hold it tight because it is really, really easy to lose it. I've been uh, reading Martin Luther recently. He's this great reformer in church history, and he says uh, that about the doctrine of justification by faith alone. The fact that God forgives you and accepts you because of what Jesus did and not what you do, he says it's amazing how hard it is to hold on to that. It's like a slippery doctrine, he calls it. And so we can have it one day, and then it slips out of our minds, and we forget it the next. And so we have to beat it into our heads. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And that's not just true for the gospel. That's true when you're convicted of sin as well. Isaiah was telling me this week about a Puritan who described conviction from God's word as being like a, being given a, a candle uh, with this flickering flame. 
And you can imagine in the old days, uh, no electricity and it's cold and you come to church and I give you this uh, flickering flame to take home to light a fire. And you take that flickering flame out there into the world, which is really windy, you're gonna have to really work at protecting that flame if you're gonna get it home and start a fire. It's like there's gotta be a little bit of tenacity about you if you're gonna be a good listener because there are a lot of things out there that can keep you from hanging on to what you're hearing from God. Like first of all, all the noise right now. If I could maybe just motivate you to work at holding fast for a minute to figure out how to be a, a good listener, this kind of listener, because you're gonna to have to. I wonder if you've ever uh, tried to really have a, a good conversation at a super loud party. Maybe you're outside and you're, you're talking with someone. We're just going to be disappointed <laughs> about something important. <laughs> and then you go uh, inside, and it's this super loud party with all this super loud music, kind of like we're trying to do right now. This is maybe an <laughs> illustration from God about how easy it is to be distracted by trivial things like a, a pulpit. I can just use this one, actually. And the Lord is kind to just give us opportunities like this. Now hold the candle. <laughs> it's all right. Let's just... Uh... Okay. I've been preaching a long time, and this is up there on the, on the moments. I'm going to remember this when I'm an old man. Ever. As long as it stays up, I'm, I do not care ever again. All right, this is just awesome. We are in Luke 8. Yeah, thank, thank you, Josh Feaster. Thank you. If you uh, remember, we're in Luke chapter 8, talking about how, how you listen. And I'm trying to motivate you to uh, hold fast. And I'm using this amazing illustration that I've worked for a long time about how hard it is to hold fast because of all the distractions. And the illustration I meant to give was about you going to a super loud party and going inside and you're trying to have a good conversation with your friend and you go into this party with this super loud music and you're talking as you enter the room with your friend about something that matters and then all of a sudden you open the door and it's like this music is playing at top volume from these speakers and so at first you care about your friend and you think we can we can do this we can we can keep talking maybe if we go over to a little corner and talk louder. We can sort of stay serious, but you can't hear each other because there's just so much noise and after a while you just give up, you know? You either stop talking or you just both stand there listening uh, or you go outside, but you have to make a decision. And if you're gonna hold fast, you have to make a decision as well because there is a lot of noise out there Trivial stuff, unimportant stuff, fun stuff, TV, music, phones, social media, apps. It's like all this music is being played at top volume all the time, and it can be difficult to focus and think about anything significant. 
I don't know for sure, but I was thinking the truth is there's probably never been a time in the history of the world where it has been easier to spend your entire life thinking about nothing of real significance. And so if you are constantly filling your mind with trivial things or developing these habits of going to trivial things all the time, it's going to be difficult for you to hold on to things that actually matter. You're like convicted of sin and then Facebook, and it's gone, you know? And that's especially tempting because sometimes thinking about God's word is difficult and trying to put God's word into practice is going to make your life actually more uncomfortable, which is another thing that causes people to give up, to not hold fast. In Jesus' day, of course, it was persecution. And so sometimes people would be excited about Jesus. And then when they saw that obedience could mean like dying, they gave up. In our day, it might be a little different. We might not face as much persecution, but obeying is going to be difficult, especially if it's in this area where you need to change. And so you're going to have to hold fast because doing what Jesus wants you to do might hurt a little. And most of us don't like things that hurt, even a little. I remember hearing a story about uh, someone, I think it was my dad, he was walking by an office at a counseling center. So my dad was a, a biblical counselor. And he was walking by this office and he heard uh, someone inside the office yelling, where's the blood? Where's the blood? And he's like, where's the blood? What is he talking about? And he asked him a little later and the counselor said, oh yeah, the person I was counseling said they couldn't obey and they had tried everything. There was no hope. But they couldn't do what Jesus said. And he took him to this passage in Hebrews which says you have not resisted yet to the point of of shedding blood. And so he's like, where's the blood? You say you've done everything. Show me the blood. And of course, what he was talking about is just that benefiting from God's word requires perseverance and a willingness to hold fast to what God says, even when it's painful. And you know what? Also, when it's not, which is sometimes even more difficult, actually. If you're going to benefit from God's word, you've got to hold fast because there's going to be lots of things that could distract you because sometimes it's painful and because sometimes, you know what, your life already seems pretty good and you sort of get sleepy spiritually. And it's hard to pay attention to anything when you're sleepy. And it's definitely hard to hold fast when you are spiritually sleepy. And that, of course, is why you have to take care of how, take care how you listen. If you're going to be a, a good listener, you, you might have to make a plan not to fill your mind with such, uh, so much unimportant stuff. And it's amazing how challenging that can be, right? It's like there are all these little snacks around us all the time, and they're just laying there throughout the day, and we're constantly eating without thinking. And so when it comes to dinner, we're not even hungry, and we don't even know why. We're like, I hardly ate anything today. But we don't realize we've been snacking literally the whole day. And one reason it's so challenging not to fill your life up with all these unimportant things as we're doing it is because it doesn't always seem like a big deal. And it might not be a big deal, right? It's not wrong to enjoy those things in their place. But what happens to someone whose every free moment is listening to music or, or playing games or looking at social media on his phone? If that becomes a habit of life, where does that habit take you? It forms you into a person, right? You see what I mean? Listening to Jesus matters, and to be a good listener, you have to hold fast. And if you see that one thing that makes it hard to hold fast is when you don't have time to think deeply, you might have to make some plan if you're going to benefit from listening to God's word. And that might mean just giving yourself time to think, to actually evaluate. It definitely means watching over your heart, guarding it from anything that's going to distract you from hearing the word of God. That's more negative, but more positively, anytime you hear the word of God and you feel conviction from the Holy Spirit, jump on it. And think of that conviction as being like a precious jewel and guard it so that no one can take it from you as you leave church or somewhere where you're hearing God's word. You might imagine like all these armed robbers out there who desperately want to steal that jewel from you. And these armed robbers are the devil, pain, and the cares of this wor world. And you can't let them take that gift God gave you away before it goes deep. 
Or maybe when you're listening to God's word, just think of how you are when you're really focused on something. When you're like, I've got to get this done. And seek to be that way with the word of God. I've got to know this. I've got to obey this, even if it hurts. And don't let yourself make excuses when it hurts. Because there's lots of things that you make sacrifices for that don't do you any lasting good. I mean, we're all willing to suffer a lot for things that don't matter. And so ask God to help you trust him enough to be willing to suffer for things that do. And so when you learn something or you're convicted by the word of God, don't put it off. Don't take a lot of time and think about all the reasons it's so hard. Just believe and obey as quickly as you can because you don't want to give the devil or your own sinful desires time to mess with your convictions. And remind yourself repeatedly as you're studying, you're listening, how important your relationship with God is because that's what this is about. This is not about just studying a book. This is the primary means right now that God speaks to us in this world. And so sure, you may not always feel like listening to God's word, and you may not always like reading or spending time with people talking about the truth, but if you know how important your soul is, and if you know the dangers of sin, and you know the privileges of a relationship with God, you're going to be pretty passionate about doing those things despite how you might naturally feel. I imagine if a building's burning down and you're like on the 18th floor, running down all those 18 floors at some point is going to get tiring, right? It might even hurt, but you're not going to stop because you know if you stop, you die. And you're going to want to remind yourself as it comes to listening to God's word that listening matters. How you listen matters because it really does. This is like step number one in following Jesus. And let me show you real quickly two reasons why. First, the end of verse 18, Jesus says that your whole forward movement in your relationship with him depends on the way you listen. Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has. In other words, to the one who's listening well, he will be given more. He will understand more. But from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. And underline, thinks he has. Because the one who has not here thinks he has. That's a characteristic of the one who has not. He thinks he understands, but he's not taking care how he listens. And the result is that even what he thinks he has is taken away from him. Which we can easily see is exactly what happened all these years ago to these religious people who were studying their Bibles and listening to Jesus but not responding because they ended up completely missing out on what God was doing through Jesus and actually standing in opposition to it which I would guess you've probably seen happen to people you know as well. I mean, this is not theoretical, and that's why I feel kind of a sense of urgency about this, because we probably all know someone who thought he had knowledge but was not taking care of how he listened to Jesus. And slowly but surely, as a result, it, it was like we could watch them grow more and more obviously foolish, it's so sad, some people, your relationship with them, it's kind of like visiting a city that's been abandoned somewhere every year. Imagine somewhere in the middle of Africa, maybe. The first year you visit, it's not that bad. It's not like it's ruined all at once, the city. But if there's no one there taking care of it, the jungle is going to start slowly taking over. And you know, some people are like that. You know them, and at one point, they seem to have some knowledge, and yet they weren't careful about how they listen to God's word. And so it's like they get less and less perceptive. And sometimes they're really intelligent people too. And yet once what they thought they had was taken away, they're just kind of left quoting Oprah. And that is a big reason why we need to stop and think about how we listen. How are we responding to God's word? A second reason though is a little more positive and it's because the way we listen to Jesus is what demonstrates whether or not we're really part of his family. I mean, this is at the core of what it means to be a Christian. Luke tells us in verse 19, then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowds. And I'm not sure if this is the same time or if Luke brought this story here, almost like a conclusion. 
because it really is a conclusion. The disciples were watching all these religious Jews rejecting Jesus, and you can imagine that would be hard for them to process because some Jews had thought for so long that they were God's people just because they were Jews. And Jesus says here, no, it, it doesn't work like that. And he uses his own family as an illustration, verse 20. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. And Jesus isn't being unkind here, but he is using this moment to emphasize to his disciples that a relationship with him isn't determined by what family you were born into or your race. Instead, it's determined by your response to his word, how you listen. Faith listens. And so while it's scary to look at your life and see that you're not really listening to God's word, it is a massive encouragement if you can look at your life and see that God has made you into a good listener because that is a sign that you actually are part of God's family. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says, to use a different image. I, I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. They will listen to my voice. Jesus is talking about us. Do you, do you listen to Jesus' voice? If you do, he's talking about you. I want you to think about how you listen. Because not everyone does. Even those who hear don't always hear. It's possible to listen to the word of God and not benefit. Are you listening? Are you a humble listener? Do you see this as Jesus's? Word, And do you believe that Jesus is your Lord, that his word has absolute authority over your life? Have you seen that you are a sinner and that you need him? And do you believe that he's the savior, that he's good, that he loves you and that he wants your best? And do you take listening to him seriously by holding fast to what he says, by taking care how you hear, by asking him for help, by seeking to have the word of God go in deep, by thinking about what you're learning, by meditating and seeking to obey. If not, watch out that you're not fooling yourself because a lot of other people have fooled themselves. And if so, praise God because this is one of the most basic characteristics of those who belong to Jesus. Jesus's family takes care how they listen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word, and thank you for this day, even with pulpits falling down and all of that. Thank you that you are speaking, and that it's not dependent on how good the speaker is or the environment. It's the Holy Spirit speaks through your word, and so we, uh, to, his pe to your people, and so we ask that you would make us a people who listen, in spite of all the distractions and all the different things going on, that we would be humble and that we would hold fast and that we might demonstrate that we are your family because we don't just listen with our ears, but we seek to do what you say. And we pray this in your name. Amen.